1: Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
0: What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian.
2: Go behind the wheel and under the hood on everything automotive with high-speed stuff from howstuffworks.com.
3: hey everybody welcome to the podcast as always thanks for tuning in my name is Ben I write some videos for our website HowStuffWorks.com, and as always I'm Scott Benjamin
1: the auto editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Ben yes I got a question for you good preventative maintenance do you uh, do you partake in preventative maintenance on a regular basis or do you uh, do you just kind of let it go if there I guess there's two preventative mm-hmm. reactive
3: oh okay. You're talking about cars? Cars. Oh, good. All right. Not body. Okay. Yeah. All All right. Or car body. Or my lava lamp collection. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Actually, I try to stay um, up to date on that. Uh, I do keep a little bit of a schedule, you know, and I do change my oil when it's time to change it. Mm -hmm. It bothers me if a light goes out, you know, little stuff like that. Um, I probably could be better at some things, but I definitely do preventative maintenance because to me it's a lot easier than any kind of reactive maintenance and cheaper usually cheaper and cheaper oh and that's what we're talking about yeah
1: it's almost always cheaper yeah. to be on the preventative side of things than it is on the reactive side of things what
3: about you scott uh, <laughs> <no point. laughs>
1: some things preventative some things reactive i i'll admit um what do they say about the cobbler's kid he has no shoes or something like that. oh yeah yeah you know that um you know, the, the roofer, he's got holes in his roof at home, yeah. you know, whatever. Similar idea with me that, um, <laughs> right now I have two bald tires on my car. My brakes need to be repaired. No. My really? suspension is shot. I mean, totally gone. Oh. Um, I probably need a clutch. I know I need a timing belt. Um, I've got a ton of things that are just piling up. You know, it seems like week after week, and this is all true, really. Yeah. But I do keep up on some of the other things. I keep up on the air filter. I keep up and make sure that my spark plugs are changed regularly. I, I do the oil changes. Um, I make sure all the fluids are topped off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some things, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's cost or just time, a lot of things slip through, and then I eventually get to them, and sometimes they have to be reactive fixes. In the case of, like, a timing belt, I'm hoping that it's not reactive because that adds about, thousand dollars to the bill
3: yeah, um, yeah. If,
1: if it's a tire that's bad news because you know it can blow out on the road mm-hmm. uh, so you don't want to be reactive on that you want to be proactive on tire repair or replacement mm-hmm. um, a lot of things I mean you'll find that it's just cheaper for you and a lot um, a lot easier when you can schedule that repair. Yeah. versus having to you know spend a day away from work or school or whatever mm-hmm. um, and then try to find a way to get your car from wherever it broke down yeah. to the dealership or, or the repair center, um, it just becomes a nightmare.
3: Yeah, having that unexpected field trip on the side of wherever your car breaks down, on the side of the road, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> is is never, never a fun I, time.
1: I, I had, I've had, i mentioned this a couple of times. I, I had a British car for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had yeah. this MG. And I remember one comment that someone wrote is that, you know, you don't, don't ever be too confident or too cocky in your in your British car when you're on the road because at any point you could become a pedestrian. <laughs> um, and, and that's so true because there were a lot of points where I became just somebody standing on the side of the road, really, you know, trying to figure out how I'm going to fix this to get it home. So more than once, yeah, exactly. And not not just mm-hmm. that car. To be fair, it was mm-hmm. uh, I've had you know all sorts of cars, and a lot of times I end up you know walking to the
3: nearest mm-hmm. you know
1: service station to figure out how I'm going to get my car home.
3: I've got three rules that really dovetail well with this. Okay. Okay. First off, we have to admit at some point. Your car, whether or not you love or hate cars, will have to be repaired. And secondly, it's going to happen when you're in a hurry. Yeah. It never happens when you're just cruising Murph- on Sunday. Murphy's Law. Yeah, Murphy's Law. Mm-hmm. I mean, Murphy must have been an unhappy character. But uh, <laughs> the the third thing is that it's going to be more expensive to do reactive stuff than to do preventative. And we've we've both mentioned this, but maybe a good example would be uh, brakes, for instance. Not to get too personal on that. Oh, yeah.
1: No, I I fully understand that. You know what I'm talking about, though. Yeah, I do. Uh, Brakes get increasingly expensive as time goes on. Um, the more you, the more you put it off, the the more they cost. Um, yeah. Because you're you're starting to wear out hardware versus uh, the disposable parts, which are just the pads. Right. When you and, start
3: to get to the rotors, oh, mine aren't
1: mine aren't nearly that bad. They're just okay. getting they're getting worn. And I know yeah. the difference. I know I know that you know when I absolutely have to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I probably would have done it already. See, I'm making excuses right now. Don't you're smi- you're smiling at me, but I, I, I'll make all the excuses. You know, like yeah. I, I should have done it this weekend, but uh, something got in the way. You know, I, right. I had something right. else to do. Um, but. I do know the difference between when you absolutely have to go in, and and when you've got a little bit of time left, and sure. uh, you know, <laughs> something like my timing belt, I absolutely have to go in. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It's better just to cough up the you know four or five hundred bucks or whatever it costs right. uh, before you have to cough up fifteen hundred dollars. It mm-hmm. just makes good economic sense.
3: Or before you get to the point where you just have to buy a new car. True. True. Because that that can happen, especially with older cars that need extensive repairs sometimes. You know what? What's the rule? Uh, you know, if you have a car that's worth five thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and you have a repair that's worth that cost, you know, four thousand dollars, you really start to become involved. With, yeah, that's true. With the math, and, and you start to look at the new car yeah, like
1: do I, sp- do I spend? Uh, do I spend four thousand to repair it. Knowing that I will only get five thousand out of it, maybe right, Uh, maybe not even likely at that point,
3: right? Especially Um, if it's blue book or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So uh,
1: I don't know. There's a there's a balancing game.
3: I have brought a list. Do you want to hear it? I I love lists. Bring it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is a list from CarCare.org, and I'll be. I'm just going to fly through it, Scott. It's a service interval schedule because we were thinking when we were talking about this earlier that. We would try to really underline how important preventative maintenance is for any vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are things that you should check monthly. There are things that you should check every three months or three thousand miles, six months, six thousand miles, nine months, and twelve months, and so on. Okay. Um, that's a long list, by the way. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I know that's everything. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hit some uh, some specific some greatest hits, if you will. Oh, okay. Because I have some questions for you about them. So. Oh every uh every month um there should be just routine cleaning lights checking the tire inflation and condition which I am very bad about because it does make a huge difference mm-hmm. especially with the weather shifts that we have in yeah. Atlanta but I dude I'm so bad about it yeah the air
1: pressure will go up or down depending on the temperature
3: yeah and uh,
1: that kills
3: your fuel economy it really does <laughs> that's I mean I know I'm wrong for it yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of saying this so I can I can. Get us both to a point where we can admit our own preventative maintenance mistakes, <laughs> and I'll tell you, it did cost me more money in the long run because I ended up paying more for gas and uh, I popped a popped tire. Yeah,
1: yeah, so. that's another downside of that is that uh, your tires are in bad condition when you corner, mm-hmm. um, it kind of wears out the sidewall that becomes hot and can be, you know, can actually explode. Right. Um, so you're kind of in danger if you leave your tires, at, you know, exceptionally low pressure. Um, and you're susceptible if you hit a, a pothole. Yes. We're now getting here in Atlanta an awful lot of potholes with the weather that we've had. Um, other parts of the country, they're all over the place. And if you have low air pressure, uh, you can you can bend a rim, which then allows air to escape through the, mm. through the sidewall of the tire, which is terrible news, by the way.
3: I, um, I agree with you, and I would like to say that I didn't know what I was doing when this happened. But the unfortunate truth it's is it's I was a, all too aware. Ah,
1: come on, make up some excuses like me.
3: I fun. actually, I've got this one for you. We talked about this before. Engine oil, every three thousand miles, not, every three months. Not for me. Not for you. Not for me. I do it every five. See, you're living on the edge, man. Yeah, I am. You're kind of yeah dangerous. I feel dangerous. That's cool. I, we're friends though, so <laughs> I'm I'm fine with it.
1: And I'm thinking about switching to synthetic, which would extend that even more. So I'd be uh, I'd be capable of going further mm-hmm. because that that greatly extends uh, the, the time
3: interval and the distance interval. And to keep it on the um, to keep it on the up and up to maintain this engine, um, that's a really important point. The difference in between engine oil, mm-hmm. you know?
1: yeah, Yep. you've got different life expectancies for each type mm-hmm. of oil, and even different makes of vehicle. If you check the um, owner's manual, they're going to tell you different uh, different service intervals for all of this stuff. But mm-hmm. um, the oil change, you may find that your manufacturer recommends every. 7 thousand five hundred miles mm-hmm. um, just again check the owners manual to make sure but um, you know others others recommend five thousand others may recommend 5500 it depends it really depends on the the engine that you have you know the the that uh, it's the stresses that it's put under if it's yeah. a turbo engine versus a, a standard
3: but change uh, it change it
1: change it yeah definitely change to. it don't yeah. don't let it go
3: what what's gonna happen if you let it go if you and <laughs> bad bad stuff will happen Ben yeah. I don't want to go into too too
1: much because I've had this happen as well not not my fault. This is right. a heat issue with a, a a cool. It's the same thing, really. Yeah. Um, never mind. Never let's mind. Just, yeah, okay, let's go moving on, on. Moving it. on. Bad, bad, bad things, things. happen to your engine when okay. you neglect you the
3: oil. And you guys know me, so I associate bad with being expensive. Yeah, mine, mine know, was more that. of a
1: heat issue that mm-hmm.
3: uh, destroyed it. but.
0: If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian
3: What about power steering fluid every six months?
1: Sorry, nope. Yeah.
3: nope. I've uh,
1: never I, never completely replaced mine.
3: I don't think about that. I, I don't. I just don't notice it unless if I had some issue, mm-hmm. and I, I so very rarely do. In most places, when you take your car in for any kind of work. Uh, most mechanics will check all the fluids and take care of those automatically.
1: Yeah, but that's just topping them off. That's not necessarily Right, it's not a flush or anything. It's important to know, too, because some yeah. people think they get something serviced or topped off, and that's good enough. But uh, after a certain interval, that fluid becomes ineffective, and mm. you need to have it removed flushed and replaced or mm-hmm. just removed and replaced i don't know it depends on what the system is but uh, like the power steering fluid that you mentioned yeah you know if you're having other work done that you know involves that let's say the pump goes bad or a line goes bad of course you're going to want to have your your system flushed out and, and replaced with new fluid so you know if it doesn't just do it itself is that just flush it onto your uh, your garage floor um but yeah it's important to to remember that you need new fluid as well not just not just keep that fluid topped off that's important in the in the meantime but Mm -hmm. um
3: replace it now i don't want to go down this whole list because i think a lot of these things will be the same and Mm -hmm. it's pretty it's pretty detailed list uh listeners you guys can check it out carcare.org but uh i just i just wanted to see that because i hear different numbers for these things
1: okay understood yeah Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of service interval type stuff that happens that people look at the cost and they assume that that's a lot of money uh, for... You know, at 30,000 miles, you need this. At 60,000, you need that. 90,000, et cetera. Um, there's a reason all that's in place, and that's because the manufacturer has deemed that, um, you know, we know that at a certain point that the, the rubber in that timing belt is going to begin to degrade. Ah,
3: yeah. um,
1: And based on your climate, you know, you may be in a climate that, that is more apt to make it degrade a little faster. Mm, like really uh, so humid, hot. Yeah, exactly. Climate. So they, they err on the side of caution in saying, at 60,000, we want you to do this, versus... You could push it to a hundred thousand because mm-hmm. that's the the furthest we've seen them last, but we don't recommend it because then it becomes all that much more expensive and, and you damage your engine. Yeah. So there's a lot of issues like that where you need to understand that. Yeah, it's they're telling you to do a lot of things, and I, I know that you know a, a major milestone uh, service. I don't know, like an entire service yeah. package, I guess. It's basically a physical
3: for your it's, car. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's it's expensive, but um, if you look at what they're giving you and the and mm-hmm. the value that 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 adds to your vehicle or your driving experience, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's probably worth it.
3: I think so. Um, and yeah. What do you got? Well, I had a couple things here. All right.
1: Let's see where to begin here, because I've had I've had a couple of cars that have killed me on reactive maintenance, but um, I think I've mentioned one in the past. I okay. had an I had an Audi A4. Oh, you have mentioned and, the audio. Okay, before. It, it, that's one where reactive maintenance got me, but I was also doing preventative maintenance along the way. It was like mm. one thing was reactive, but along the way, and the reason I'm mentioning this again is because this one had a combination of both. And they, they ended up being very expensive, and that was the reason I got rid of it, is that uh, maintenance charges
3: killed me. Not uh, not the uh, cheapest car to own.
1: Um. You know what? It was good for a long, long time.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It got to the point where um, the, the final year I ended up paying something like eleven thousand dollars in maintenance. Wow! Uh, in repair, just maintenance in the final year, not including payments and all that. It was just the maintenance, and some of that, like I said, was reactive. Some of it was preventative. Mm-hmm. So let's say that I had, um, I had I was, let's say I was having some engine work done. Um, I had a timing belt that was slipping. It had slipped, uh, um, slipped a, a notch, mm-hmm. um, which is unique. I mean, if it had slipped any more, it probably would have done a lot of damage. But so I was lucky in that case. It was loose. Um, while I was in there, it was it was cheap to have them also do the head gasket at sure. the same time because they had already torn into the car to that certain point, and it would be much cheaper for them to do you know a two hundred dollar head gasket job versus. Waiting, coming back, having them do the same amount of work to get to that point, do the head yeah. gasket job, and then you know build the car back up again because this was a, a deep repair. Yeah, um, and a lot of things went along with that. There was also, um, I think, there's a coolant pump that went into it as well. Mm. Um, just a lot of little parts along the way. But um, again, these are like this ended up costing me like three thousand bucks or more. Wow! Um, because I had the the timing belt done. But I was also having this preventative stuff done at a relatively low cost compared to what it would have been if I had waited two months and something had failed. Yeah. So um, there's a balance. Again, like I said, balancing act. You just have to decide what's, what's it worth to you. Um, and then, of course, the rest were just, you know, after I'm hit with that, the rest were mostly reactive.
3: Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. Sometimes you get overtaken by events. But, you know?
1: and this is where this ties in. So I'm i, I, I was going somewhere with this. Tie it together. All right. Let's see, how do I want to begin this? Because the same shop that I used to take my Audi to, mm-hmm. one day, this is a German automotive place, um, they had a Ferrari Testarossa in the lot one day when I was there. And I was intrigued by that, because here's yeah. an Italian motor, right, yeah. in a German motors place. So I asked him a little bit about it, and he was telling me that it was just in for routine service, and he told me what that entailed. And this... Happened a long time ago, but and I don't have the numbers straight on this, so I'm, okay. I'm going to let that go for now. But just keep that in the back of your mind. All right. So this weekend, things that I see around town,
3: you know, things Scott sees, yeah, you know, things I see, stuff Scott sees. I yeah. think we said
1: there's a Ferrari dealership not far from my house, a few miles, mm-hmm. and was driving by, and what caught my eye was a Ferrari Testarossa. Pretty rare to see it. This dealership has all new Ferraris and you know Maseratis, things like that. They're all parked outside, beautiful cars. They had this older Testarossa. Parked outside, which you don't see, you know, no. see very often anymore. Not not all that often. Um, so I thought it was interesting. You know, I just kind of made mental note of it that it was there and and went on my way. It's been there. it been there for a couple of days. So I'm guessing it was in for maintenance. I'm, I'm guessing yeah. looked in good shape. All right. I know this is a whining story. No, no. Here we go. I picked up Automobile Magazine the other day. This is the third part of the story. This is where it all comes together. This is the trilogy. Promise me. I <laughs> promise. I promise you, brother. <laughs> Not promise me. So I'm going to read this article about uh, the top ten Porsches of all time. right? Yeah. I get sidetracked because there's a photo of a Ferrari Testarossa. This thing is like following you around. Exactly. That's. Uh, I'm thinking this is strange. You know, I yeah. see this here. So and you don't see that again very often. So I, I looked yeah. at that article first, and it was about driving and maintaining a Ferrari Testarossa, which I thought was fitting for what we're talking about today. Yeah. See, it's coming together. It is. And this article besides all the other interesting information that it had together it had some of the um preventative maintenance that you have to do if you own a ferrari oh let me know this uh so this is a 1990 ferrari testarossa and this article is by jason um camisa i think is his name
3: camisa yeah if i
1: blew that that's okay i mean sorry
3: mr camisa yeah
1: exactly but it was an automobile magazine the march 2010 issue you can look it up if you want but um and and don't think it's too outlandish for me to be talking about this car. It's an expensive car. Don't get me wrong. It's right. a Ferrari, but the original price in 1986 was 102,000. It's now down to you can you can buy a used Testarossa for around 35 to 60,000. dollars
3: Really, that's yeah. much less than I would have thought.
1: Puts it in the range of a uh, you know if you're going to buy a toy like this. Yeah. not bad.
3: Not, not bad. bad. However,
1: there's a there's a price point. And I noticed this when I was looking at at, um, used ones online just because I was interested. Yeah. There's around a 30,000-mile mark where there's a a definite price difference in this, and that's why the range goes from 35 to 60, I believe. The ones that are on the top end of this have had this 30,000-mile service. And I guess it's every 30,000 miles, and there's Mm -hmm. a minor service in between as well. But the 30,000 service involves changing the timing belts. And the timing belts in a Ferrari Testarossa. They're, they're, remember, this is a this is a mid-mounted twelve-cylinder engine that has forty-eight
3: valves. I'm just going to go out of limb and say it might be a little complicated. It's complicated, <laughs> to say the least. It
1: involves taking the engine it involves taking the engine out of the vehicle. What really exactly? And when I when I remember back to that that see here we go again back to go. German Motors. Yeah. When he said that he had the um, the car in there for routine maintenance. He told me that he was doing something with the engine. It was just routine maintenance, but I believe—and I'm, I'm again, sketchy memory sure. here—but I think he told me that he had to take all of the body work off of the vehicle to remove the engine in order to do the, the timing belt service. That may or may not be true. I don't know if he could drop it down below. I think he said it was just easier in his case because he had the setup for it yeah. to take the body work completely off of the car. There were four or five points that he had to release to do this. It wasn't a big deal really. According to him, right? Um, you can take the you can take the bodywork right off the thing, take the engine out, repair the thing, and then put it all back together again. So that's a that's a routine maintenance, and that's done at thirty thousand miles on on a Ferrari, every thirty thousand on, on a Testarossa. Oh. Now I know someone's going to you know say that's not true. You don't have to do that, but that's what I'm getting is this this right. thirty thousand mark or every five years, either one either one that comes first because you know part degradation.
3: That's like the recommended benchmark.
1: Exactly the caught now that's a major service and i've seen a lot lower end on this it's that, okay. right around $3000 for that service guess what the, the high end is yeah you want to guess the high end of this no uh <laughs> $6000
3: pretty
1: good guess pretty yeah. good guess right around $8000 is really? what you'll pay to have the engine taken out seals all you know all that stuff taken uh, care of at of the same time
3: $8000 all yeah. these
1: all these uh all these timing belts replaced i guess i don't, i think there're four timing yeah. belts i believe so anyways, you're paying $8,000 every five years or 30,000 miles, which isn't really that often. I know you just drive it on the weekends or whatever. Right, but right. In between that, there's also a minor service that, that costs about half that much. So in between the, the 30000 there's another minor service that's right around $4,000. But they say that if you don't do that, if you don't do the uh, the, the major service at the, at the scheduled time, if you do break a timing belt while you're driving or the engine is running – and it hits the valves which is the danger in any car. Yeah. Almost any car. Um, you will <laughs> and th- and this is the author's quote. It will cost about as much as a small uh, midwestern house to fix it. Yeah, to
3: fix it because, oh, okay. but but
1: I don't know what that means exactly. A small midwestern house. I mean, what do you what do you
3: put that at? I fifty thousand, sixty thousand. It really also depends I on know. what the house price <laughs> are. Exactly,
1: but that gives you an idea that this thing yeah. is, uh, a it's an expensive repair if you don't do the preventative maintenance. Now mm-hmm. that's an extreme case, but you get the point. And it I, carries
3: I, down all it, the way down to our Armani Carlos. It, and stuff. Exactly.
1: I I told you about mine. It's like about six hundred bucks to do it on yeah. my own. If I if I wait, it could cost me as much as a thousand dollars more than that
3: for a valve job. Let's see, words of the wise, you guys. Yeah, I, I, I really, uh, I have to say, I became a convert to the discipline of preventative maintenance when I really had to start taking care of a car myself, mm-hmm. you know, when I wasn't just borrowing the family car, because mm-hmm. it's easy to just say, I'll just change the oil. It'll be, <laughs> yeah, sure. My parents won't know. Sure. Yeah, but uh, it's definitely, it's worth the time. It's worth, um, you know, a little bit of inconvenience right oh you don't like cars if you like cars then you know you should be hanging out with us uh under the hood every weekend or something hang out with your car hang out with your car in the garage spend some time with it yeah
0: if you use paper you're a human but if you choose paper you're a papertarian someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day seriously In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash
4: Get emotional with me, Rathi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations
3: Become friends. Become friends. That's right. We have some listener mail from some friends.
1: All right, Ben. So we have a uh, we have a note here from a listener named Katie. Okay. And Katie, um, we're, we're guessing Katie is possibly from Ohio, you say, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That just based on the area code from the phone number that she right, gave right. here. We don't have any other information. But Katie, 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 Katie. Here we go. She says, I'm sort of a fan
3: of the show. That's well, how she starts out. That's awesome. We're sort of really glad. <laughs> I'm sort of a
1: fan of the show. I listen to your driving pet peeves podcast, and I had to comment on the last pet peeve: uh, cars not at the fr- cars not at the front of the line at the red light, trying to move even when the cars in front the cars in front of them don't move. So, in okay. other words, remember I said, don't honk your horn immediately. Right. Everybody can't move all at one time. It takes progression. Yes. Number one, number two, number three has to go, et cetera. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> Katie-, Katie says she has to respond to this because. She's the driver that's at the back honking, I guess. Oh, wow. She is the one that says, I don't understand why don't, why every car doesn't immediately start moving when the light turns green. Uh, if you're behind the wheel, your, your focus should be on driving. That's it. What else are you doing at the red light? As soon as the light turns green, everybody in that line needs to keep going. I'm paraphrasing now at this point. But yeah. she says that, what are they doing? Why is there a delay? Why is everybody not moving except me?
3: That's f- actually that's pretty fair, that point about... Everyone should be focused on driving. I
1: agree with that, but Ben,
3: yeah, yeah. Oh, this. Sorry, Katie, this is make my blood boil a little bit here because this is
1: honking honking the horn at the back of the line does no good because everybody can't simultaneously move. It's it, does, sure. it just doesn't work like that. And I understand it's frustrating to wait for the delay. Mm-hmm. That you know, like we just said, car one has to go, car two has to go, car three has to go, and by the time it gets back to the sixth car in line, yeah. The delay may be 20 seconds, and then, you know. of course, you may be the next one caught at the red light, depending on how long it is. It's frustrating, I know, but that's just the way things work, and that's the way you, you cannot all be in at once unless you're, you know, like, if you're looking at the, the beginning of a Formula One race. Right. Everybody goes at once right when the red light starts, and that's the way it works. Um, races often start that way if it's a dead standstill. Um, but, yeah, look at Formula One film. That's the way they all start.
3: I just I the reason that I can say I see what she's saying, and I also see your point as well, because obviously people aren't professional drivers, and obviously people are going to be from out of town or unfamiliar with the territory, or mm-hmm. as Katie pointed out, they're not going to be paying attention. Yeah. But there is also there has to be that delay as people are accelerating and waiting to accelerate, you know to. What what is it? Two uh, objects cannot occupy yeah. the same space. Yeah, exactly. At once. Because let's
1: say that you're in a uh, you're in a I don't know, Honda Civic like mine. Right. And the car in front of you is a, um, a Model T, Ford okay. Model T. My car is likely going to be able to accelerate a little bit quicker than that Model T or get rolling sure. a little bit faster. You don't know what speed that vehicle in front of you is going to be going. And those are true mm-hmm. like too. That's an
3: extreme example, or like Let's those say, older diesel cars, even that take a long time. Yeah, exactly. It's a, yeah, the
1: older ones that take a long time to get yeah. to get started. You know, to, to get rolling. Yeah, um, yeah you're going to find that everybody has a different uh, different rate that they're they're comfortable leaving that mm-hmm. that stoplight at, and not only that, you want to leave a little bit of space in between. That's important. Mm-hmm. So, um,
3: well, Katie, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that I'm I'm sort of on the fence uh, with you guys on this because I would like to defend myself, though, if I ever take too long getting getting a move on at the green light. It's usually, in Atlanta, it's usually because somebody is not all the way in or out of a lane they're supposed to be in, and I have to wait for that brilliant, brilliant gentleman to to figure out if he's going to go left or not, you know, it's a pretty important decision to him. Oh, and we will do that thing where they swing out to the right into the other lane oh. when they're going to take a left. See, we're adding more pet peeves Yeah, all who the time. are they? I'm just saying, who are they, Scott? <laughs> who do they think they are?
1: It's okay if you're wrong most of the time. Ben. Yeah. But anyways.
3: Yeah, that's it. I'm sorry.
1: Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But I understand Katie's point of view here. Yeah. I, I really do. I I get it, but there's just a reason that that everybody can't accelerate away from the light Mm -hmm. at the exact same time. It just doesn't work that way. So I don't mean to, you know, be sarcastic about it or whatever. I really don't, but it just, it just cannot work that way. It, it, it will not work that way. And everybody would have to be on a track and space the exact same way. That's, that's the only way it could work. Like if it was like a roller coaster situation yeah. where everybody's cars are connected together or connected to a track, you know, like mm. these, uh, these driverless roads that we talk about sometimes. That might, yeah, maybe so, you know, one day. That's, that's about the only way that that would ever happen. Um, if you have these vehicles that are capable of still bumping into each other, it's just not going to happen.
3: Man, we got to get out of here now. Yeah, I know.
1: It's been a long time. Sorry about yeah. the uh, blah blah
3: blah. Oh, I'm sorry about the blah blah blah. Hopefully, the listeners aren't. Hopefully, they enjoyed it. <laughs> and on the off chance that you did, uh, why don't you guys send us an email with a uh, suggestion for an upcoming topic? Maybe if you have a preventative maintenance horror story or a story with a happy ending, we'd love to hear it. As always, our web, or our email address is High Speed Stuff at HowStuffWorks.com.
2: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new High Speed Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage.
0: Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares.
3: slash compatibility.